This morning, we're actually getting into our study of Proverbs. We're going to deal with the first exhortation of 10 that we're going to be hitting over the uh, course of the summer. And then there are these two little weird sort of aside like things that happen where Lady Wisdom gets up and starts talking about how beautiful she is. Those will be interspersed. But um, this is the first exhortation of 10. And a couple of things to remember as we go through Proverbs, just to rehearse. Proverbs is written from a father to his son, his teenage son, his adolescent son, right? So this is a book written for adolescent boys, teenage boys, by and large, right? But it's opened up to all of us, right? For all of us to benefit from and grow from. It's uh, democratized. It's written from a king to a prince. Any princes in here? Okay, so it's actually for none of us, but it's for all of us too, right? Um, so keep that in mind. Um, and now, I did this like little uh, dorky alliteration thing last week, and I said, hopefully I'll never do anything like that again. And I mean, I was like, don't denigrate that. That's really helpful. So we're going to stick with it. And so if you remember, what are our three L's for the way that these exhortations are structured? Do you remember? Anybody? <laughs> the, the, the one that's hardest to remember, Ben gets. What was it? Listen, learn, last, right? Right? So that's how they're all structured. Spitting as I talk. Sorry, John. <laughs> Listen, learn, last, right? Listen, come, pay attention to what I have to say. Here's what I have to say. Do this or don't do that. Here are the consequences, the last. And that's the, that's the reach. All these alliteration things, they always have the one that's a reach, right? That's the reach, last. But these are the consequences, Right? So um, I want to do two things this morning, if we have time. I don't know if we'll actually have time to do the two things I want to do. The main thing is we're going to learn the lesson that the passage has to teach us. If we have time at the end, I actually want to step back and look at, uh, uh, maybe get a little meta and see what we can learn about parenting from Solomon. Because Solomon is a father writing to his sons, right? And so we can receive Proverbs as sons and daughters, And we can also step back and look at what Solomon's doing as a father, right? And it would be a pity for us to go through Proverbs and not also learn some things about how to love and care for our kids. So if we have time at the end, I'm going to come back around to that. If not, no big deal. Okay, so Proverbs, if you got your Bibles, chapter 1, verses 8 to 19. This is the first exhortation that we have uh, in uh, in the book. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods, and we shall fill our houses with plunder, Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Okay. First L is 
Listen. Thank you. <laughs> All right. The first L is listen. All right. Let's see if we can see listen in the passage. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. There it is, right? Here it is. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For there are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Okay. Listen, my son, my 13-year-old son, my 12-year-old son, my 15-year-old son. Listen to who? Listen to mom and dad, right? Listen to mom and dad. Listen to your mother and father. Why? Why should you listen to your mom and dad? What does it say? Sorry? I heard something somewhere. Was it you, Peter? It wasn't you? <laughs> leadership. You need leadership and guidance, right? You're still young, and you need leadership, and you need guidance. You need a mother and a father. You're not mature yet. And then that actually, he actually gives a reason. Your father's and mother's teaching are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Cool. Who thinks wearing a garland on your head is cool? Anybody? Young boys, you like pendants, necklaces? Is that what you think is cool? Ian's giving me like the raised eyebrow over here. What, what's with this appeal? Who's excited about garlands and pendants in here? Anybody? So what's, the, what's actually, what, what's the garland and the pendant about? Identification? So the garland, it's like a crown, right? Think, think to, um, um, it's kind of like, actually, think about this. Think about the Olympics, right? It's, it's the victor's crown. It's the medal. It's the king triumph in, uh, in, in triumph coming through the streets, wearing the garland and wearing the medals as he goes through the streets, having come back from battle victorious. The appeal, as much as anything, is, hey, son, do you want to win? Do you want to be recognized? Do you want to have the adornments of victory and strength and success in life? Listen to your mom and dad. Listen to us. We're going to help set you up for success in life. Not just success in a, in a worldly sense, but success in the sight of God, right? Do you want to win? Do you want the crown? Do you want the sign of authority and leadership? Do you want people to recognize that you are a wise man of God? Listen to your father and mother's teachings. There's the appeal. My son, tender, right? Listen to your mother's teaching. No 13, 15-year-old boys need to be told that, right? No? Daniel doesn't. Peter doesn't. They just are totally inclined right now to be zoned in to mom and dad's teaching, right? Uh-huh. Listen. Do you want to win? Do you want to succeed? Listen to your mother's teaching. Or don't forget your mother's teaching. Listen to your father's instruction. So this assumes a couple of things about mom and dad, right? And just in general, it assumes that mom and dad are godly and they want the best for you, right? And it assumes that mom and dad are actively teaching you how to live, right? 
It assumes something about mom and dad, that mom and dad are actively engaged in teaching you. So what if your parents aren't godly? Then what? Well, a lot of Proverbs is get wisdom, right? Get wisdom. You want to be wise, listen to your mother and father's teaching. You're those who are godly fathers and mothers in the faith for you. But I don't, I don't have that. Okay, well, get wisdom. So get that. Get fathers and mothers in the faith who are godly, who can love you and care for you and teach you how to live. Surround yourself with mothers and fathers in the faith. It doesn't matter how godly your parents are or are not, actually. You need mothers and fathers in the faith who fear the Lord and who are godly, right? So get wisdom, get mothers and fathers in the faith who can teach you how to live. Okay, there's the first part. There's the listen, right? But... Oh, yeah, did you have a, something you wanted to say? Okay, cool. Oh, were you jumping the gun? What's next? All right, there it was. I knew, I knew there was something. He's ready. He's the, he's the aggressive, competitive one, right? So it's like, he's like, win? You're talking about how to win? I'm, I'm, I'm really zoned in right now. Good job, Abe. All right, so next is learn, right? All right, so here's the lesson. Everybody paying attention? Do you want to have the garland and the medals? Here's a lesson. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. So we lay out a principle, just a general principle, right? If sinners entice you, do not consent. Do you want to win? Do you want to have the crown and the pendants, the medals? When sinners entice you, do not consent. Okay, it's a simple principle, right? When somebody comes to tempt you to do something evil, say no. But we want to be really practical, right? Not just general. That's what a lot of what Proverbs is about. It's practically applying the wisdom of God to very simple things, right? So we have an illustration, an example, something that's supposed to be really practical, the kind of temptation everybody faces in life. The kind of, and it's the very first one, so we ought to be super honed in on this, right? Very first one, talking to young men. Here we go, something super practical. If they say, come with us, lie in wait for blood, and let us ambush the innocent without reason. Wait. Raise your hand if somebody's come up to you and said, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Anybody? No? What's the best way to summarize what we actually see here? What's Solomon, what's he warning his son against? My son, don't join a gang. My son, don't become a pirate. That's what he's talking about, right? Like, okay, all right. Uh, when was the first time you were asked to join a gang? When was the, when was the, when was the last time somebody asked you to become a pirate with them. We got a good answer for that? National Pirate Day. National pirate day uh, yeah. Is that a thing? He's like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's, it's National Talk Like a Pirate Day. So you walk around saying, "R," and you go eat at Arby's and it could go on forever. We're going to stop that right there. <laughs> Did anybody grow up afraid of, like, gang violence at the fall festival? Like, was that a thing that you, like, heard about or talked about? Whereas, like, 
or you made it into a thing where it's like, oh, I've got to be concerned that I don't wear the wrong colors if I go to the fall festival. If I wear like blue or red or something like that, I'm going to get shot. You hear, you hear like rumors of stuff like that. Maybe it's just like my friend group like to play up stuff like that. No? Um, I don't want to make light of a serious issue here in gangs and gang violence. It actually is a pretty serious issue in, in Evansville. Um, there are, th- I did a little bit of reading just to see. There are 13 identifiable gangs that EPD tracks. Uh, a lot of them have cartel connections, right? Um, I was looking at an article in USA Today about how Ev- Evansville is the, and this is not my phrase, this is the cartel phrase, so the honey hole of uh, the Midwest for drug activity. Why? Well, because Chicago, Indianapolis, Louisville, Cincinnati, Nashville, St. Louis, all within just a couple hours drive, right? In 69 runs from Mexico to Canada. And because we're the centerpiece of a very populous region that serves 1.5 million people, so it's a big market in and of itself, and because it's cheap to live and operate here, and because it's easy, an easy market to come into and gain control, and an easy place to hide, and our main industries are pharmaceuticals and plastics, and we have the Ohio River, and we have the barges, and we're super under the radar. Evansville doesn't hit big in people's minds as a... And so it makes us highly strategic, right? For organized criminal activity, actually. And so we have been reported to be the meth capital of the world with the most meth labs in our county of any other place in the entire world, right? We've all heard that. Probably that's not news to most of us in this room. Maybe it is. Anybody been touched by that in this room? My ex-stepdad is in jail for meth production, sale, and distribution. It's real. I don't want to make light of that this morning. Okay? But I am going to venture to say at the same time that uh, most of us haven't been tempted to join a street gang in this room or join the Pirates of the Ohio River or something like that. Right? What I want to say is whether you have or haven't, this passage actually does touch on all of us and the temptations we really do face and really have faced. And not just in the sense that we thought Breaking Bad was cool and being Walter White was cool or something like that, right? So remember, this is for young boys. Boys actually are always oriented to form gangs. You can see it all over the place. When we go on vacation to Michigan, we have this like, little thing where we get together with like four or five families and on this huge plot. We have friends that have like three houses on Lake Michigan. And by God's grace, they, they invite a bunch of pastors actually to come with them and we get to use the place for free. It's just like my friends that I went to school with that are in Cincinnati and Indianapolis and, and, and Bloomington. And we go and there's like 35 kids between all of us. And then the, what, it, what happens? The boys organize themselves into a gang. That's really what happens, right? Like, it's quick. And you establish a pecking order. And then you've got to establish the outsiders, right? Who are the weak ones that are on the outside that get picked on? And who are the weak ones on the inside? And who are the leaders? And then how are they going to terrorize the girls? Like, look at Lucy back there. She's like, 
Yeah, that's exactly what happens, right? Okay. How are they going to lie in wait for innocent blood? (laughs) That was good. That was a good one. (laughs) Now listen, listen. That was a good joke. But we're talking about real things, right? We're talking about real things. Anybody ever been a part of like some suburban hoodlums where it's like you go and you uh, steal from the gas station and slip into open garages and, you know, come up with great plans like you're going to TP and vandalize the house of the Christian school kid who lives the block over or anything like that. It's a pretty common thing, or at least it was for, I mean, that's... That was, that was me, just owning my own gang activity here. Right, that's a real thing, okay? That's a real thing. But that scales up, right? That scales up. That kind of peer pressure and group dynamic doesn't go away. It can be more or less intense, right? It can be suburban dorks on bikes stealing popsicles and tennis rackets from garages and, you know, packs of cigarettes from the gas station or whatever. And it can be, you know, 12-year-old drug mules, right? And everything in between. And it scales up as you get older. And so it just depends on the environment. The work environment can be that way. It can be, it's very much the mentality of mobs, right? whether it's mobs on social media or mobs in the streets. And so Solomon's going to explain how this all works. And he's actually going to do it in a way that, so you you read it and you think, oh, nobody's ever said, uh, come lie in wait with innocent blood. But the the Bible actually does this sort of thing a lot, where it's going to take the most extreme example, and it's going to show you, as it's played out in the most extreme example, the principles that are at work all the way down. Okay? And that's what's going on here. So that's what I want us to do, is to just break it down. Okay? So we can see this in our own lives. Okay? So first is the appeal, the temptation. Five easy steps on how to become a pirate. Okay, you ready? First appeal, come with us. Come with us. Hey, I see you're alone over there by yourself. Don't you want to be included? Don't you want to be part of the group? Don't you want to be part of the in crowd? Don't you want to be part of the cool kids? Enjoy the camaraderie we have. Don't you see the camaraderie that we have? Come with us. Come with us. It's the appeal for the desire to be included. Everybody has that, right? Everybody has that. And especially as young people desperate to figure out who you are and where you fit, the appeal to come with us is strong, right? It's strong. Step one, come with us. Step two is let, let, let us lie in wait for innocent blood. That's the appeal to adventure and the allure of the forbidden, right? We're doing something crazy. We're doing something wild, something exciting, something adventurous, something bold, something wicked, something forbidden, something that's super manly even, something that's going to get your blood pumping, 
Something that's going to, you, you, you bored? Come do something that's going to really get your blood flowing. Because that's the allure of the forbidden. Something wicked. Something exciting. Something adventurous. Something that's risky. Do you have the desire to just take a risk and do something wild? Good desire given by God, let's twist it. Let's turn it to the forbidden, to the wicked. Come with us. Join us. Be a part of this group. We're doing exciting. You are are made for exciting things and risk and adventure. Come, we're going to do something really crazy. Step three. Let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. Well, what's that? Let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. No one's ever going to know. We're not just going to lie in wait for innocent. We're going we're to swallow them whole. We're going to cover it up. We've got a plan. We're going to get away with this. No one's ever going to know. There's not going to be any promise you won't get caught. I promise you won't get caught. Come with us. You want to be a part of the group? Come with us. We're going to do something exciting and crazy and wild and wicked. And we're never going to get caught. We're never going to get caught. There's not going to be any evidence. Now be honest. Here's the appeal so far. You're a dude. You feel bad about yourself and your life and you're bored and don't know how you fit in the world? All right. You got hormones? You want to grow up? You want to be a man and do something wild and crazy and strong? You want to let loose? You feel that urge to like just break something, hurt somebody, something good or something innocent because you feel bad about yourself? Come with us. That's what we're going to do. And we got a plan and we're going to do it and there are going to be no consequences. No one's ever going to know. That's more appealing to a young man than most of us would like to admit, right? If you really believed there were no consequences, you might just be foolish enough to roll those dice. But wait, there's more. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Not only are we not going to get caught, we're going to get rich. We're going to get rich without having to work for it. Why go work and have the fruit of honest labor, which is hard, when I can just go and we can get together and have an agreement among ourselves to go and just take what we want? Have it come easy. You're made for work, but you have to deal with the thorns and thistles of this life, and you're facing up to the fact that you're becoming a man, and so you're facing up to the fact that the thorns and thistles are real now, and you've got to figure out how to deal with that, and it's hard and scary. How are you going to provide for yourself in this life? Well, here's the easy way out. Forget that. Let's go take what we want. If we're strong enough and smart enough, we'll never get caught and we'll get rich. Five, throw in your lot among us. We'll all have one purse. We're in this together. We'll be in it together to the end. It doesn't matter what our principles are or are not for people outside our group. Inside the group, there will be honor among thieves. We'll have a code. It'll be great. All for one, one for all. And now you have a conspiracy to do evil. And those are the elements right there. On any level. My son, my son when sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not consent. 
You want to be included, part of the in crowd, come with us. We're going to do something that makes you feel alive, makes you feel like you have some control in this crazy world, something that makes your blood flow. We're going to get away with it. We're going to get rich, quick and easy, and we're going to be together in this to the end of the line. Now that actually sounds like a temptation, doesn't it? That actually sounds dangerous. It doesn't matter if you're 12 or 15 and you want to steal candy from little kids on Halloween or take something from a gas station. It doesn't matter if you're in a conspiracy with your coworkers to steal time from your boss or to fudge your expense reports or in a conspiracy with your siblings to take advantage of your aging parents or caught up in a mob riding in the streets. Whatever it is, bad company corrupts good morals. And you'd better not go with the crowd. Better not go with the crowd. Okay, he's opened it up for you. This is what it looks like. Do you see it? Can you imagine it? So it's like we talked about last week, right? A lot of Proverbs is taking us from, uh, you know, baby principles, right? Don't, 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 don't consent to, here, I'm going to help you imagine this so that you're prepared. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how this plays out so that you are mentally and emotionally and spiritually prepared. I'm laying it out for you. Okay? Here, be equipped so that when it comes, you're ready. So dad shows, lays it out, and then dad comes back and says, all right, now here's how to respond. Here's how to respond when that happens. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Not one step. Not one step. Every little step you take makes it harder. Every little step down that path breaks down your will, allows them to get their hooks in you. So my son, not one step down that path. Not one. Do not even walk with them. Their path is heading a direction. And I'm going to tell you what that direction is in a minute. But before I do, not one step. Not one step. Every step, the pressure builds, and it gets to you. There's a little poem um, that has been really helpful to me, and it's archaic. But it was um, one that our senior pastor up in Bloomington likes to repeat all the time. And it was in one of the uh, commentaries on Proverbs that I read on this passage. And it goes like this. Vice, sin, is a monster of so frightful mean, of such a horrifying appearance, that to be hated needs but to be seen. The idea of lying in wait for innocent blood, it's so horrifying, you just need to think about it to hate it, right? But, seen too oft, familiar with her face, We first endure, and then pity, and then embrace. And that's the path. How does young Johnny, who we knew as a kid, such a sweet boy, wind up in the noose? When you start walking in the way of the wicked, and the things that horrified you become things that you endure, and then things that you sympathize with, and then things that you embrace. That's how. You don't think that that first step is going to lead to death. But that's the direction the path is headed in. That's the direction. Don't 
walk with them. You may be walking, but they're running. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Don't take the first step. Run the other way. Eve in the garden, she listened. She should have walked away. Adam, what does God even say to Adam? You listen to the voice of your wife. You should have walked away. You should have walked away. Joseph, uh, in Genesis, a good example of this, of how to respond, right? Do you remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. And he's really successful, and he's young, and he's handsome, and he's strong. And everything he touches turns to gold. And so he's, ex- he's like the man of, he becomes the man of the house. And Potiphar trusts him so much, he like sort of just lets Joseph run the house. He goes away on trips. So what happens? Potiphar's wife is like, that's hot. And she comes on to him, and Joseph just runs, right? What if Joseph had lingered? Every second you linger, your willpower diminishes. Your ability to resist declines. So one, don't take the first step. Two, understand the motive for how they got there. It ends... Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. Takes away the life of its possessors. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about wanting things that you don't have and that you're not willing to work for. About wanting what belongs to other people. You don't want to fight to earn it and deal with it and get it for yourself. You want something that's not yours. You feel like you're entitled to it. So you're out to get it and take it. And you're going to rally people together who feel the same way. And if you get enough people, you're going to be able to go and just take what you want. And at the end of the day, what we're dealing with is just angry young men, angry that there's a big wide world of thorns and thistles out there. And it's hard. It's hard to work to earn your own bread. Eve wanted the fruit and the easy path to be like God. Judas was always in it for the money and the power. And when Jesus' stock plummeted, he sold that simple. People at work trying to make an extra buck. Budge the expense report. Take a little extra longer break here and there. People on the streets just trying to stick it to the man and get what they think they deserve for free. Which means one way to protect yourself from this sin is to actually learn to love hard work and attack your laziness, right? And to love the fruit of hard work. Is it sweeter to eat candy that you've stolen from Walmart? Or is it sweeter to walk in with, hand, with your head up and held high with money that you've earned mowing and pay for it? Because you sweat and you worked and you earned that money and you earned that candy bar. To remind yourself of those things and learn to love those things from a young age. You have to teach your kids to love those things from a young age. That'll help protect them. Knowing the difference, knowing the difference in the feeling of the two will help. Step three is our last L. Right on the spot, the last. Keep your eyes on the consequences. Keep your eye on how it ends. The path these people are on is the path to destruction, right? They're going down roads they can't come back from. And there are some sins you can't, once, you, once you've crossed that line, that line's been crossed. Their sin will find them out. 
It'll always come back to haunt them. There will be consequences. There will be. When he says that they make haste to shed blood, he means two things. They're running to shed the blood of the innocent. But what they don't know is that they're running to shed their own blood, to have their own blood shed, right? They believe the great lie that actions don't have consequences. The serpent told Eve, you will not surely die. That's the lie we all believe. That's the lie kids grow up. When Proverbs says folly is bound up in the heart of the child, that's what it means. Kids don't understand the connection between actions and consequences. A bird is smart enough to see you coming after it with a net. So he says, in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. A bird's smart enough to see you coming at it with a net and fly away. These guys, they don't realize that they're setting a trap for themselves. They're missing it. They're hyper-focused and zoomed in. Do you know what forced perspective is? It's like, you know, like if you take a camera and you set up a little toy dinosaur in such a way it looks like, you know, a dinosaur is eating downtown Evansville or something like that. It's forced perspective, right? It's a trick. It's a camera trick. Uh, um, Megan, my sister-in-law, took a picture of Geneva. Um, She caught a fish and she's holding it up. And Megan made the picture look like the fish was the size of Geneva, right? Forced perspective. That's the kind of thing that's going on here. That's a distorted view that the wicked have. I was at a presbytery meeting this past week, and uh, we had a worship service, and uh, my friend Joseph Spurgeon said in the sermon, I think this is a direct quote, the wicked are winning in the same way that a man who jumps off a bridge is flying. If you zoomed in, and all you saw was a man soaring through the air, posing like Superman, big smile on his face, wind through his hair, sun on his face, right? You could be tempted to think that he's flying. He's told himself that he's flying, right? You zoom out, you see the bridge, you see the rocks, right? The wicked think they're setting a trap for the innocent. The noose is big enough The noose is around their own neck. And it's big enough for you too. And they're inviting you into it. That's what's happening. The man who jumps off the bridge is taking an action that leads to a consequence. That action is irrevocable. The consequence is coming. The rocks are getting closer. The only question is, how high was the bridge? How long does he have to pretend like he's flying before the reckoning? That's what this path is. That's what this path is. It leads to death. You cannot reap what someone else has sown. Not really. You try, and in trying, you're also sowing. Because if you sow violence, you will reap destruction. You think you can get away with it, but it's going to come back on your head. You think you can uh, set an ambush for the innocent? No one will ever know. She'll never tell will be too ashamed. You can hide it in a clinic, send the blood down the drain. You can convince the mob, the mass mob, to go along with it. Does not matter. Even if the whole world lets you get away with it, God is the avenger of the innocent. God is the avenger of the innocent. And he will see to it that you pay.
in this life and in the next. In this life, you'll have your conscience plagued by it. It'll drive you to the verge of despair. You'll have to seek relief. When you try to get it, you won't find it. You'll have to rationalize your sin. They had it coming. These were my circumstances. I had no other choice. You'll have to sear your own conscience by doing more things. You have to double down on your sins. You'll have to draw other people into them to help justify your sin. You'll have to find ways to drown out the noise and distract yourself and numb yourself. Or you'll get caught, get forced into some kind of reckoning. In any case, you will stand before God someday, and justice will be done. This is an exhortation to the young to prevent you from causing great harm to yourselves and to others. So take it to heart. We want you to learn these lessons now. This is wisdom. Listen to your mother and father. We've been there. We've done that. We have perspective on things that you don't have. You see somebody flying, but we see the bridge and we see the rocks. You see he set a net and he's going to get rich. We see that the net is right under his own feet. And he's inviting you to step into it with him. Some of us in this room never got this kind of exhortation when we were younger. But we did and we ignored it. We were fools. And we hurt others and we hurt ourselves. How do you come back from that? There may be things that you need to deal with. Things that weigh you down that you've never told anybody. There's forgiveness for you in Christ. Jesus does step in and take the consequences of our sin on himself in some respects, with respect to the judgment of God. But that doesn't mean that there won't be consequences for you in this life. But you can come to Jesus and have your conscience cleansed and learn to walk in newness of life, even if there are things that you have to reap that you've sown. So if that's you this morning, come to Jesus. There are things that you need to talk about. We're here to talk about. That's what we're here for. We're here to be a family of faith where we deal with things, really deal with them. If there are things like that in your life, then come and talk about them. We're not going to hide the consequences from you. I was uh, at Presbytery. There was a, a, a pastor there who was um, very broken up about family in his church. The father came forward to him and confessed that he had been molesting his daughters. So he took him down to the police station, and he's going to jail. Consequences matter and are real. But he had the courage to confess his sins and to, and to walk forward and, allow himself, and embrace the consequences. That's hard. It's hard. Pray for that family. Pray for those daughters. For that man. But this is why Solomon says, don't take the first step. Right? Heed the warning. See where it ends. Keep it in your mind and in your heart. Okay. Really quick, really quick. I know we've gone long, but I don't care. (laughs) A couple of principles from Solomon, okay, to take with you. And just think about one thing as parents, one place where you're weak, one place where you can take a couple baby steps to improve, okay? Parenting's hard. Course correcting is harder. This is God's wisdom from father to son, okay? So let's take it. See if it doesn't help and stick to it. 
Kids don't often respond well to big immediate changes, but firm and steady, slow changes. A united front between mom and dad, consistency day to day, consistency between mom and dad, and some faith. Because you have the wisdom that they need. God gave them to you for a reason. By the way, the biggest predictor of gang violence is fatherlessness. It is. It's fatherlessness. Be active, be proactive, take initiative. Solomon right here just saying, my son. That's a lot. Teach your sons how to live, your kids how to live and resist temptation in a world that is after them. Okay? So principle one, start tender. My son is a tender thing to say, right? My son. Two, appeal to their best desires, right? The world is appealing to their worst desires. You can appeal to their best desires and inclinations. You want to get rich and do something wild and crazy and take some risk? Come lie and wait for innocent blood. No, wait, you want to succeed? You want the garland? You want the pendants? You want to win? This is the way. Appeal to their best desires. Stay tender as you talk to them. My son, my son, my son. Three times throughout this exhortation. Make them feel the love you have for them that's real. Make them feel that they're part of a family already. They already have a place where they belong. For don't be afraid to use weighted labels and make generalizations. Generalizations are helpful because they're generally true. And when he says sinners, when sinners entice you, it's not nice, but it's helpful. It's a protection. Five, take time to go beyond the command, beyond the don't. Don't stop with say no to sinners. Show your kids what to expect. Help them see it. Help them be prepared. Help them see the pattern. They see the pattern. When they see it play out, they'll know. They'll feel ready for it. And it'll build your credibility because you were right. And show them a way out. Six, the right response. And lastly, always warn them of the consequences. Some of what we have to teach our children at the end of the day is actions have consequences. You reap what you sow. Most good parenting is just helping kids connect the relationship to actions and consequences. Action and reaction. You get out what you put in. Okay, so that was it, quick. One area of weakness, tenderness and warmth, proactive instruction and what to expect and how to respond, connecting actions to consequences, bringing consequences to bear. Remember, the goal is not to teach, keep them safe, it's to make them strong right? It's not to control them, it's to teach them self-control. Need help? That's what we're all here for. I need your help.